0: It is 9.33. Joining me now, our friend Barb Lampson and Master Gardener. Good morning, Barb.
1: Hey, Karen. And it's a beautiful morning. I was out weeding. I was barefoot because the grass is so nice and green. (laughs) And, uh, you know... The weeds just keep growing, and uh, I keep chasing them.
0: So well, those recent that recent burst of all the rain we've had—you know, for a while it was getting pretty dry, and my grass was looking brown. But it's come back with the recent rains, and we're supposed to get some more today. So uh, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I heard that. Hey, you know, every week I look for the good news in the paper and things that yes. just fluff up my spirit, and it just makes me so happy that people can do things uh, for other people. And one of the stories I read about was Orville, uh, uh, is it Zebarth? Yes, Orville
0: Zebarth, right.
1: Um, He was a uh, professor up at MSU, Mm -hmm. and it talked about his garden and how he grew vegetables and how he donated them to the Echo Food Shelf. And the director down there said that he would would, uh, donate a ton, I mean, a ton of vegetables every season so just think what that would mean to people being able to go to the food shelf and getting you know fresh vegetables that would be such a assist in their diet in today's free press uh, the Mayo Clinic has a, an article in there about um, how to build up your immunity and one of the things they said that's really important isn't taking um, supplements but it's eating fresh fruits and vegetables and gosh they couldn't be any fresher than when they're growing right in your own area like that
0: well and how how many of us has planted a few tomato plants too many perhaps and have all that extra and it can just go to waste or like like Orville Orville's been doing is just donating and what a great thing to do
1: yes and we also want to remember our good friend uh, Harvey Hess
0: oh my goodness yes
1: Harvey and when Beverly was alive, she did all the weeding he did the planting and picking, and off they would go and I remember one day they stopped and they he opened up the uh, the back of his um, uh, van, and there it was they were just everything was all sorted out and nicely handled and that that was just it gave him so much satisfaction in knowing that he could do that and i i think I think that's that's really great and then the other thing. I'm always thinking about water and how we can protect our water, our environment, and, of course, our clean air, too. And there was a great article in the paper this week about how Rainy River, which had been so polluted um, by both the pulp factories as well as sewers from cities that lived along the Rainy River, and it had been declared um, Uh, where you couldn't eat the fish. Uh, It was just in in terrible shape. Now, the Rainy River runs from uh, International Falls to Lake of the Woods, so it borders on the Canadian side. And what had happened was cooperation between the two countries, and they passed strict uh, laws about pollution and and then enforced those laws. And now the report from... um, the Minnesota Pollution Agency is that it is now they're giving it a rating of excellent to good and you can now eat the fish again and it's it's just come back but it, it took you know it took decades to get in that shape and it took a while to get it back but it is possible so if you have a body of water um, even the smallest thing can can bring it back and and that, that brings me to my second thing. We had our boat out this week. We went oh. boating on Lake Washington. Oh, great. I was so surprised to see how green the water was. Yes. And I am encouraged by the efforts of people along the lake shore to protect the, the their uh, lake. And I was encouraged to read your letter in our um, monthly uh uh, Master Gardeners uh, uh, newsletter, mm-hmm. newsletter, and and the work with your pollinator garden, and and I tell you, there is no effort too small or too big, and it takes everyone joining in together. So. Hopefully, maybe you can put a sign up so that folks <laughs> going by can see what it is and well, what you're doing. Well, you now, know?
0: did you go by my, my shore and did you see some of my little uh, efforts on the shoreline and, to put all new natives in? Did you? Well,
1: yes, I did, but I couldn't get close enough because, you know, we have a big boat and oh, okay. it takes so much water to run it. But we got as close as we could, and I said. Yay! There's Karen's property, and there's her garden, and, 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 and that's wonderful. I mean, that's just a wonderful thing. So whether people are trying to pick, protect the water because they live on it, or you're living right here in Mankato, you're going to protect the water if you make sure that you don't put things into the storm sewers so just, there's just little ways that we can all do this, and we'll end up maybe like with the Rainy River being beautiful and clear, the water's so clean you can drink from it now.
0: Well, you probably saw in my my article that um, more than 50% of Minnesota's waterways, water lakes, et cetera, are Im- considered impaired, including yes. m- most of them down, I think if all of them down here in southern Minnesota, and a lot of it's from the runoff. And you can't blame ag all the time. A lot of it's from yards. You probably saw some of the yards along the lake that are pristine they they look like golf course and that takes a lot of effort in terms of chemicals and and uh, excessive mowing and things like that and uh, all of that runs in the lake and that causes the greening and it's yeah yeah, yeah and
1: especially with because uh, uh, most of your shoreline is um, is' it, just flat for a small distance and then there's a the hill and and you've got that runoff coming down yep and when people don't put anything to slow that down, So that those pollutants can get in the ground instead of running into the lake, it's so silly to spend that kind of money for property and and have a beautiful lake and wreck it, yeah. And wreck it, yeah. Well,
0: I was so excited. We we have a couple houses from us. There's new people. They bought a, a. It was just a lot. There aren't many empty lots around where we are, but they're building a house and. So we were there last night. We met them, and I was chatting with them, and they were commenting on all the plants in my yard. And I talked about my shoreline planting, and the lady there, who the house won't be done till later this year, but she says, "Well, I would like to talk with you, so I can figure out how to do that too." Because I talked about how it's so important to you know not just have stuff run in the lake and it causes, and so just maybe just can just influence one person at a time, and this think if we could do that, then the things would be so much better for everyone.
1: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. That, that awareness and talking about it and saying that, that you want to preserve this for future generations, I think that's, that's really big news all the time. Well, <clears throat> the other thing, you know, it's, it's time to start. That we, can, we can do some replanting now. Yes. We can divide, and I always say divide and conquer. <laughs> and, and our good friend, Diane Dunham, she divided up a bunch of her iris, and and she offered them to master gardeners, and I know you went out and got some.
0: Well, I didn't. Jeff did because they offered them. So so Diane, you should. I have not seen her place, but apparently she has a lot of irises. Can you oh. tell me how many? Oh.
1: I yes. I, I was there. I'm telling you, if you didn't, if you hadn't loved iris before you went, once you go, you're going to go because these are big, big majestic flowers that are so
0: the beard iris, aren't they?
1: Yeah, you know, they remind me of um, uh, sort of like uh, uh, sort of like orchids mm-hmm. on on steroids, <laughs> where with, with this bloom just explodes and it's just huge mm-hmm. and 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 they're so different. Uh, you know, some of them have the. Uh, the falls, they're, they're recurve the petals coming down, some more straight. I mean, every color of the rainbow. But how big it is well- her
0: her plot? Because now she puts them out by the roadside. My, I sent my husband to get them and she she had them labeled so they were labeled by the name of the, the actual variety and then mm-hmm. by color. Well, she, Jeff was asking her too because I told him I wanted some orange ones because they're all colors of the rainbow pretty right. much. And he came home with some 30 plus Iris, so I've got a a big planting, uh, just I guess bonanza ahead of me. But now is the time, and Diane, of course, is is a gardener who knows what she's doing, and that's why she's divided hers now. So talk a little bit about. I think it's isn't it iris we can divide now, and also peonies, peonies. Yes,
1: yes, yes, both. But there are other things too. The rule of thumb usually is this: if it blooms in the spring, divide it in the fall. If it blooms in the fall, divide it in the spring. But there are other things that you can safely divide, and there are exceptions to the rule, too. Like anything that has a really um, uh, deep tap root, those things are very, very difficult to divide, and you might be better off just to get a new plant, to leave that one where it's at, and and rather than trying to divide it because if a root goes down a long distance into the soil it's going to be hard to get all of that out so so just bear that in mind a couple of things that i'm going to divide right now um i've got balloon flowers and the thing i like about the balloon flower is that if you deadhead you know once that little balloon it gets it gets uh, it goes to a, a, a gray-brown tan color, and it doesn't look it's very unsightly on the plant. And you take that off a lot of times. You're plucking off the seed with it, and if you put that up by the plant, sure enough, you know, you'll get another plant. Well, that happened in a couple of different places in my yard, and now I want to take those isolated plants, and I want to move them to other places. The reason I like that plant is because um, they... Bloom like midsummer. They start in mm-hmm. July. Um, they will grow in full sun. They will grow and bloom in some shade. I'm on the south side. I'm on the north side, uh, and I have never ever seen a bug on them, and they've never had disease. What's more, the Japanese beetles to this point are ignoring them. I haven't seen them go near them ever. So that's a good plant that I would transplant and move around. If you do, be sure that you work up the soil. You want to amend it so that it's nice and loose, and uh, and then water it afterwards and uh, and and watch it. Don't just water it once, but stick with that plant for a couple of weeks and make sure that it's really rooted in well. And then I also, the stores are offering perennial plants. The garden centers yet, and I bought two delfinians. Oh, these. These are the tall delphiniums, Karen. And you know when you're you on garden,
0: you're going to need to get some braces because delphiniums are notorious for tipping over, which is why the next ones I want to get are like the dwarf one or the compact ones.
1: Yeah, those are good too. But you know, um, about um, 35, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. I started raising delphiniums, and I would get the, I belong to the Delphinium Society of Sussex, oh. England, oh, and they God. would send me seed that they were trying for colder temperatures. It generally, it just didn't take. But what happened was I fell in love with delphinions. And uh, it's one of the things you can put to the back of your perennial garden. And if it's white, when it's blooming, it just lights it up. It's it's just a, a gorgeous plant. And it comes in the variety other th- of colors.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there's no more true blue flowers than I've seen. Then I have a delphinium that it just, you know, there's just not a lot of blue flowers. And I've got one that's so blue, it's just radiant and people see it. And, and I I think it was last year when we had, we actually had the fair, my delphinium got the champion flower, but I mean, they're just, they're really just big, tall plumes of, of color. Yep.
1: And you know, um, you can, with the, with the stakes, the flowering stakes that come up, you can, those stalks. You can use, um, like, um, any kind of a soft material and secure it to a stake, but when you do that, you don't bind um, the flower stalk to a stake tightly. We might think that's what you do, but if there's any movement with that Mm -hmm. stake at all in the wind, it'll snap it off at the root. So you want to give it a little bit of play in there so that it can move back and forth, Um, it's just, uh, and you won't lose it. And then once they get done blooming, if you cut off that stalk right then, you will have new growth and you will get your second bloom of flowers. And I have one in the backyard. It's, i got blooms on it now. That's, those stalks won't be as tall, and you won't have, uh, the plume of the flower won't be as big, but you will get that color, and that's that's really a good thing to do. One of the things that can happen to a delphinian is they can get some root rot, because when you cut that stalk off, you're making like a hole. Whoa. You'll see it. You've noticed that probably, and, and, and the water will get in there, and it can rot down in the root. So watch that very, very carefully. Getting these, uh, recutting and then getting the new stock up seems to protect them. So uh, I I bought two of them and since I bought them, it has rained and the garden's been too wet to put them in. (laughs) So what I did was I took a a tall uh, stake and I went around the garden and I thought, where will this be best? You know, where will I see this best? Where will it illuminate this space? And that's that's kind of a good idea to do with smaller plants too. Just put a stake out before you put it in and imagine what it's going to look like there and how much space it's going to be when it's ma- going to need when it's mature. That'll prevent you having to move it in the future.
0: Well, I had a, a question from a listener about seeing some beetles in their yard and they are invading my yard now. There's they're Uh, New, because the Japanese beetles are about done now. They're kind of tapering off, at least in my yard, thank goodness. But I'm still picking them daily. But there's a new little orange beetle that's come in the yard. And they're good guys. It's the soldier beetles. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but my my uh hydrangeas will be covered from all over with them and they like my hibiscus and they're actually good guys. They're they're also yeah. nicknamed leather wings because they have got a soft cloth-like wing cover and it's it's like kind of orangish-yellowish with little black dots on the end. Yep. You shouldn't yep. be killing them because they are no. actually eating our other bad guys like I've got a lot of aphids I notice aphids are out now in in force well the adult soldier beetles good guys uh, eat caterpillars and aphids and other soft-bodied insects that uh, so they're good predators so uh, and they they lie in wait in the flowers you know and in like in my hibiscus uh it was you know i was finding all the japanese beetles now they kind of hide under the the petals so you can't really see them and then i've got these aphids now and i actually went around the yard and and i had uh all these yellow little um They look like little eggs or something all over my, specifically on the world, milkweed. You know, they could be, Mm -hmm. but they weren't monarch butterfly eggs. They're aphids, and they were little babies hatching. So I actually cut that down and threw them away so they wouldn't hatch in hordes. But the soldier beetle are good. Leave them and let them do their job.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, I saw them, and uh, my neighbor, Earl... Who could be an entomologist oh. he knows every insect there ever was and every weed there ever was and i said would you come over and take a look at this he said oh don't touch them That's soldier beetles and That's i said good. well why are they here all of a sudden he said you know they're kind of seasonal too mm-hmm. they they fly in and uh, they're here for a given time and then they're they're gone again too so it, you're absolutely right i mean you have to be so careful. And when I think of people that just broadcast, uh, just get out, and they just spray that because they want to get rid of something, and they get rid of everything that's good mm-hmm. that would have helped them, and then the next year they have twice as many bad beetles. So it's, it's unfortunate. Well, yeah. I think okay.
0: in this case the person who asked about this was thinking, oh, no, some more bad bugs because a lot of the bugs we have are bad and they eat our stuff but we you know that's why it's so important to recognize is it a good bug or a bad bug and actually you can ask your extension folks and you know take a picture or something and send it to them and and they will be happy to identify whether it's good or bad so with all the aphids i've got i'm thinking oh good i've got these soldier beetles that are going to help with that have you noticed a lot of aphids too
1: yeah, and, and a lot of times before you you actually see the aphid doing the damage, what you do is you see the damage to the leaf because they're a sucking insect. Yes. And they actually make this honeydew, and sometimes you'll see ants around there, and the ants didn't cause that. The ants are coming after that honeydew. So, so that's, an, that's another clue that they're around. You know, something really surprising, rhubarb, the leaf, is poisonous. Right. But what do you think, at Good Council we had Japanese beetles on the rhubarb. They're eating it? Yes, they were. Now, that
0: they shocks were. me because, I mean, I know they like some 300-plus plants, but I didn't realize. I mean, I've got rhubarb. That's obviously not their favorite in my yard, so I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah,
1: well, there's other things they're going for. Oh my. So up there, that was one of the things. And then here at home, the most shocking thing. I mean, they've got everything to eat here. They've got grapevines. they got the flowering crab. They've got uh, honeysuckles. They, they've got just everything they can eat on the the woodland fern, the tall woodland fern that I have in my yard. No. The, yeah, oh. yep. Yeah, the the you know the brackets on them, those individual ones. Yep, they're on oh there. Oh my gosh! So and when I came in day before yesterday, I'd been out in the raspberries. I had a Japanese beetle in my hair. (laughs) David saw him, and he got him out for me, and I thought, now, are you kidding me? I mean, really? uh, I don't know if he dropped in there accidentally and couldn't get out. or <laughs>
0: Probably, Barb. I have them on myself when I'm going around my, my hibis, hearty hibiscus picking them off. Sometimes I'll look and they'll be down on, sticking on my shirt, or and I'll be like, oh, you little bugger. And then I've actually got two buckets of water that I would put some soap in, and, and what happens is I keep filling them up, and, and Jeff says, it smells like something died out here. Well, if you leave them in there, which I do, and I just keep adding more, they do stink. It smells like something's dying because, yeah. well, there's all those dead beetles. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and so um, I I leave them in there for a day or two because it seems like throughout the day I I'm working with plants and I find them. So instead of starting a new bucket with soap in it, I just have that one with me. And then after about two days, I take it in, I dump it in the toilet and flush them down. <laughs> I just don't can't figure any other safe way to get rid of them. So, so that's what I'm doing with mine, and uh, it, and you know it's really strange. There may be less, but the things that are their favorite is where they're really in my yard. They're in the roses, in the rose petals, mm-hmm. and and they're on the um, um, raspberries, on the on the leaves. They're in there, and they're also um, on the hollyhocks. They're very, very big on the hollyhock leaves. So what do you do then? You know, I thought about maybe I shouldn't ever grow hollyhocks again. See,
0: that's why I am i was wanting to grow them, and I'm not going to now because of that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Just like uh, I quit growing the pole beans because the, my pole beans, you remember last year, they were so decimated. This year I did the bush beans, and they don't seem to bother them, so I don't yeah, know why. Well, yeah.
1: That's absolutely great. You know, one of the other things that we haven't talked about this before, but mosquitoes and you know you the same people that uh, come and spray for uh, different things in your yard they right. also come and spray for mosquitoes and a couple of houses down from me i was working out the front yard kneeling by my plants and this truck comes and they start this engine i can hear it and so i hollered over and i said are you spraying they said oh yeah <laughs> we're spraying for mosquitoes and i said i have asthma you know, oh, don't, I, said, yeah. I have to go in the house. I have to get out of this. He said, well, right. oh, it's not going to take very long. And you know, But what? that's not the point. <laughs> yeah. no, exactly. And, and you know what? That same night it rained, and we've had rain since then. So what good does that really accomplish except to kill good insects and yeah. things? You right. know, that stuff is deadly, too. If it kills mosquitoes, it's certainly going to be hard on our good pollinators.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I I assume a lot of people don't think about that because I don't have asthma either. But, I mean, think how uh, when I'm out at the lake house and when they have the big farm field sprayers out there, I mean, I run in the house, shut all the windows because, I mean, that stuff, even if it's not windy, it it drifts and you can smell it. Or even when I'm going on a walk, I can smell if a yard has been sprayed. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, another thing that was really a bonus to us this week is... uh, we have this opportunity now on certain weekends to take our things to the recycle. We take them to the yes. city. And it was our. this is our weekend to do it. So we worked in our garage. We have an attic in the garage. And uh, what's kind of good about this is uh, when you put things in the attic, you forget that you ever had them. I mean, here we find uh, the Jamie's doll buggy. And... And Chad's little cart that he drove around in and, and all these things that you forgot you had And, of course, they're staying But there were other things up there that were just outdated And would never be used again And so David went with our pickup and took a load in And, and uh, the garage is so much happier It stopped <laughs> groaning It had an attic full of... Uh, some things were good, but lots of things weren't Oh. So you find and you find things that
0: you didn't know you had. So right, and you find doubles of things you thought you didn't have. Maybe you lost at one point. And you go, oh, I just I didn't need another one of these. I, that's yeah. A, yeah. Hey, I and, wanted. To, oh, I was going to oh, say yeah. something about hardy mums. Now you notice uh, that at the yes. uh, nurseries, there's a lot of mums out there, and yep. they're the ones that I can that are called. I I don't know if they specifically call. I call them this annual mums, where you put them out, they look pretty, right. and then you throw them, so they're the throwaway mums. But I've got, and you do too, have the hardy mums. And a lot of them were created in Minnesota by the University of Minnesota. And yep. they come back every year. So I've got mine. They're not blooming yet, but they're starting to get buds on them. And right. so so you don't have to throw them away, although a lot of people just like that instant color and not have to deal with it. But I'm just saying, think about that for another year. Go and ask if they have the hardy ones so you don't have to just keep, you know, wasting a, a plant every year. Yeah,
1: that's really good advice. And, you know, um, Starting in the spring, we start pinching our hardy mums back because they have a tendency to want to go really big, and when they get the blooms on them, they flop over. They
0: flop, yep.
1: And the same is true for, like, the autumn joy sedums, that type of upright plant. They will do the same thing, and those things are looking really, really good. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a couple of spots that were bare, and um, I saw a couple of throwaway mums at the store, and I love the color. It's a lavender. And so I bought them. That just fluffed up my spirit to have this new color.
0: Well th- you know, that if that's that sometimes it is worth it to make yourself, you know, feel better, I think.
1: Yes, right. And they'll end up going into the compost pile when I get done with them. The only thing that saddens me about this whole thing is I wish we could grow them in paper mache pots or something oh, so yeah. that, that pot could be recycled.
0: Barb, you're retired. Don't you have time to figure that out? So maybe you can make you know your your retirement millions.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I wish I wish I could, and I wish somebody else was working on it.
0: Well, Dave but has it, Dave is pretty clever. Send it to your husband.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you there you go. Absolutely. Well, you know, also um, one of the things that I have that I'm working on is uh, making uh, a spray out of garlic. Uh, oh. Uh, for for my plants because it seems like if Japanese beetles are attracted to the freemones that are left by the other beetles then we ought to cancel that out by covering the bushes with um, garlic spray so um, I'm I'm working on that I don't know how much it takes to keep them away but it, it certainly has a, a an odor all of its own so you know stay tuned it was kind of hard this week because we had rain yeah. twice, and once during the night we had a little bit more rain. So it's like the mosquito spray. I mean, it doesn't do any good if it gets washed off by the rain. But if that would be a way of getting rid of bad insects, including that uh, that lily uh, leaf beetle that's coming, uh, that would be worth exploring, you know?
0: Well, and it, you could make your millions there, Barb.
1: Well, I would yes. just be happy if, to make it and give it away so that <laughs> people
0: didn't use chemicals. I agree. I agree. So thank you so much. It's so great to chat with you. It sounds like it's going to be a really nice weekend for us to uh, work outside in
1: our gardens. Yes, and congratulations on your pollinator garden along the shoreline. I think it's
0: great. Well, do you know, I was going to say, you know, it's a lawn... I got the grant through Lawns to Legumes uh, program to do that, and that's kind of what it was about in the article I wrote for the Master Gardeners. Now, the Lawns to Legume people and the... uh, the soil and water conservation people who are part of the funders of that um, are interested in, in uh, publishing my article, too, so to get more information out about that. So that'll be kind of fun to hopefully get the word out even more.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So keep gardening.
0: Don't worry, I will. I've got a lot of iris to, plan, <laughs> to plant. Yeah, to right, all right. Do you got any suggestions on planting them? Any, any tips? Because, uh, you know, i have never really planted a lot of well
1: be sure that you um keep that rhizome above the soil okay. and the roots go down and um and then don't mulch them you don't want to cover them up because that's where they if there are any eggs that came in with them that's where they'll crawl down and and uh, uh, you'll have them next year they'll they'll be under the soil, and then they'll hatch out and become larvae and crawl right up your stem of your plant well, and start eating.
0: Diane Dunham, Sully, clean them off. They're they're pristine, so I'm thinking yep, they're going to yep. be good. So, All right, yep. well, thank you so much, Barb. Always yep. great to chat with you. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, Okay, thanks, Karen. All, All right, bye-bye.
0: bye-bye. It is one minute past 10. You're listening to